uh, talking about the righteous being fully persuaded. The righteous are fully persuaded. We're talking about full persuasion being uh, full trust in God. When you fully trust God you're fully persuaded about his ability to perform what he said. Uh, The scripture we started yesterday with was Ephesians 4. I'm sorry, Romans 4, 21 and 22 that talks about the Abraham brand of faith. That is the faith that is delivered to the saints. It's a faith that we are inheriting and that is to have full trust and full confidence in God. Not just trusting him with uh, finances when you need it or emergency situations, but to have confidence in God as your God not just as provider or you know any of the things that he he can do for you but in God as a person in the personhood of God the character of God all the attributes of God uh, we need to have uh, full awareness and full confidence in every aspect of God uh, it it is uh, an affront and an insult for people to just be wanted for things for what they can do and so we don't want to do that to God because we don't want to sow that seed toward him because we don't want it sown toward us we don't want to reap that kind of attitude from people so we want to be accepted wholly by people we want to accept other people wholly and we want to accept holy God and so when we do that we find that we have a different level of faith and righteousness comes in as a byproduct of that faith when we are fully persuaded all the doubts removed all the fears come off all the dark uh, things that would hinder our faith and righteousness from producing the things in life that we desire that we need righteousness is a, uh, is a uh, an attribute of God that he imputes to us that enables us to obtain the promises Uh, it's the thing that we we so desperately need and desire to keep us from having these glitches in our life you know I asked God for this and I only got this much and I you you understand what I'm saying and so uh, being being in the presence of God and being fully persuaded is is what we need to spend our time on you know to to really get an understanding of who he is what he can do and what he wants to do for us meditating on the word of God taking it in as a medicine that heals us and makes us whole taking it is in as the bread of life that completes us and helps us to live strong before God we're not lacking anything in God allowing us to withstand the pressures of life uh, and emerge victorious all those things come about through our full persuasion and our righteousness when you stand righteous there's nothing that can stand between you and receiving what God has for you you have a full confidence you have a full assurance of your faith you 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 are changed into a person that stands confidently before God in expectation of good you expect good and and that's the great thing about righteousness in this walk this life that we have in God so we talked yesterday about (coughs) some issues that can come up 
and being fully persuaded we put our faith in God and then there there becomes a battle so to speak as we are are walking and, and living our lives and quote unquote waiting on our answer and just living from day to day uh, sometimes issues come up that will put our persuasion uh, in in doubt it'll move us from being fully persuaded to you know partially or I'm, I'm convinced but uh, like the father that brought his son to the disciples to be healed uh, he told Jesus he believed but help his unbelief I believe but but something you know I believe but I believe but sometimes the enemy will come and, and cause situations in life to cause these doubts to surface they're there all the time circumstances just bring them up to the surface where God can help you to deal with them he can remove them he can convince you and get you more persuaded so we should think of of, uh, challenges uh, trouble so to speak as a challenge and an opportunity for testing uh, you know uh, not for uh, um, trial in in the sense that it's going to destroy us but it's testing in the sense that we are going to come out victorious uh, I was uh, talking to uh, the gentleman that we're going to do his book and he was sharing with me about the two different words for test or trial in the Bible he said did you know they were different I said well you know what I never really noticed that and he said yeah there's one 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 test he said when when satan comes after us he said that word for testing means destruction he said when god tests us that word for testing means purification it's in the fire and so it's good to know that God is not out to destroy us even though you may have that feeling sometimes you may think it's going to come to a bad end but that same fire uh, that that wants to destroy us winds up purifying us and and we come out pure lacking nothing lacking nothing and so you can always get and don't ever be afraid of the trials of God as long as you're a child of God and you have a connection to him as long as you can cry out Jesus there's help for you you got me he'll send help for you and that's always a good thing to remember so in talking about being fully persuaded one of the issues we said would come up was is God able talking about God's ability and we concluded that Abraham was fully persuaded of God's ability and that's what caused his righteousness to have the effect that it had it 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 kept his body from hindering him from having a son it kept all circumstances from hindering him it took all the hindrance out of his obtaining the promise he focused on the fact that God was able he talked to God about it and God assured him the other question was am I worthy and we talked about how the fact that sin will cause a sense of lack of worthiness and in sins easily dealt with by us confess it get it out of the way own it man up woman up own it and and take it to God and and ask his forgiveness for it and and move on in life you know step into righteousness again and move on in life righteousness as a garment will not fit over sin 
It's like you know some uh, a football player trying to put on a uh, with all of his padding and and all of his football uniform trying to put on a suit coat on top of that. It it bulges and it bursts and it doesn't fit. And so there's a remedy for that. You put off one, put on the other. We had that in Ephesians 4:24. Put off the old man with all of his problems and disappointments and fears and concerns and and put on the new man. You can do that any time. You don't have to get delivered to put on the new man. You don't have to get anything to put on the new man. You just put one off, put the other on. And and allow God uh, to uh, uh, take you into the realm of the spirit where you can feel the peace, joy, and righteousness and comfort of the Holy Spirit. He wants you with him. He doesn't want you outside of his blessings and worrying and wondering. And It's not for you. Uh, it's not for any human being. You you shorten your life. You, you keep your life at a low level of enjoyment when you uh, you know put on the old man. When you let the works of darkness overshadow you. You get comfortable feeling sorry for yourself and thinking about yourself and all that. You know put that off the Bible says. And put on the new man who is made in the image of Christ. And can enjoy the Christ life with God. And so that's a, a great thing that we have. Being fully persuaded also means being honest with God about your doubts and your fears and taking them to him. And so in Genesis 15 I thought we'd spend a little time here because this is possible to get your doubts and fears removed. And to, you know sometimes we live with a little doubt or we live with a little concern or we live, you don't have to live with that. Uh, Abraham being honest before God. Being transparent before God uh, was able to get himself into the the highest level of faith that almost is recorded in the word of God. Just by being honest before God. It's just so important. So important. So important. And so in uh, Genesis chapter 15 we see an example of that. Uh, Abraham talked to God and was concerned about why it was taking so long for him to have the promised son that's that's always a good thing to remember that god knows you're concerned about time he's not he has to get you into a place where you feel the same way about it that he does so that's that's where your honesty will come in that's where your honesty will come in and so he says here in 15 I think it's uh, uh, let's see. We'll start in verse three. Abraham said, "Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir." So he says, "If you don't give me uh, the son that you promised me, he said, you promised me I'm going to have all these descendants, and that's good, but I don't see anything yet." And so he says, "If if we keep this up, my servants are going to wind up." being my heirs but you promised me a son it's important to know what God's promised you and to know what to expect from him and to keep expecting it and keep expecting it and keep expecting it so many people start out expecting good things in God and drop their expectation as time wears on they think time is something that um, disqualifies God from doing things for us. Uh, time has nothing to do with God's ability. His ability is not 
uh, uh, time uh, sensitive. It's not time dependent. God uh, could care less about years, could care less about months, could care less about a lot of things like that. And he says, uh, verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be your heir. But he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. Out of your own your own seed from your own body. Your own natural children. He brought him forth abroad and said look now toward heaven and tell the stars. If you'll be able to number them. He said to him so shall your seed be. So here again we have the stars of the sky. Being a reminder of God's ability to do this. If he created all of that up there he certainly can create seed out of your body and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness so Abraham was in right standing with God because he put his faith in him and he said to him I am the Lord that brought you out of the of Ur of the Chaldees to give this land to you to inherit it and he said Lord God how shall I know that I shall inherit it how shall I know now to a man who was uh, living during that time that question how will I know this is a an invitation for that person to swear and to cut covenant with you over that promise that's it that's the invitation to cut the covenant when we ask God that how am I going to know that he will do something to put us in remembrance of our covenant with him with us it's reminding us with Abraham it was cutting the covenant with him but God will do things to remind us of our covenant in times of doubt he does the same thing with us he did with him he's no respecter of persons just because we have a better covenant based on better promises it doesn't mean he makes it hard for us to believe he makes it easy for us to believe and so here he took, takes Abraham and he says how shall I know and verse 9 he said to him take me a heifer three years old when he starts that stuff you know what's coming you know there's an oath coming behind the promise a blood oath that means it swears God is swearing by his own life that before I would not do this for you I'll take my own life that's what that blood covenant means Jesus when he went to the cross took his own life so he's already established that that's why we have a better covenant he in this one the the person's life is staked against it because we're talking about natural things so if if you need somebody to help you in natural ways then their death means that they're not their death really is staked their life is staked against them completing so you want to keep them alive with our covenant with Jesus Christ because he did it as a sacrifice for us he's already proven he'll give his life for us it's already proven so there should be no room for doubt in this because the the oath that God had here I'll give my life if I don't keep it kept Abraham believing God the fact that Jesus did it already should keep us all the more that's why we have a better covenant built on better promises his promises are better because he's already said I don't care anything about my own life it's all for you 
So that should make it easy for us to step into this. Because he's already given the greater love. He's given the greater sacrifice. He's poured out more. The things that we let stand between us should make us ashamed. No, you know, it's taking so long, you know. I mean, we should be ashamed of the whiny stuff that we do, that we hide behind to keep us from fully trusting him so that we can step out and do something for our benefit. It's all to benefit us. There's nothing for him in this at all. And he says in verse 9, he said, take a heifer three years old, she goats three years old, a ram, so forth, turtle, pigeon, you know, turtle dove, a young pigeon. Took all these and divided them, split them in the midst, each piece against each other. The birds he divided not. When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. That's our responsibility is to keep the covenant fresh. In our minds to always keep ourselves in remembrance of God's word. Meditating on the word. Watching over that. And when the sun was going down a deep sleep fell upon him. And lo a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Same thing God did to Adam. When he brought the woman to him. When he made the covenant between the man and the woman. He does the same thing with Abram. And puts him to sleep. And he said to Abram. Know of a surety that your seed will be a stranger in the land that's not theirs. He begins to prophesy to them. Also that nation whom they will serve will I judge. Afterwards they'll come out with great substance. He He runs down the whole history of the nation of Israel to him. You shall go out to your fathers in peace. They'll be buried in a good old age in the fourth generation etc and in verse 17 it came to pass when the sun went down it was dark behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those two pieces in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying unto your seed I've given this land etc etc and all the enemies that are on the land and so God makes this covenant with Abram because he can swear by no higher he swears by himself and the Bible says an oath of confirmation is the end of all strife so which means that Abraham had peace about this promise from then on he knew what the shedding of blood meant but also that blood speaks volumes in the realm of the spirit whether you understand it or not it still speaks better things in the realm of the spirit so as long as Abraham reflected on his covenant with God his mind went to the promise and not to the doubt about his own body his mind went to look at the sand and look at the stars and he did that without fail because of the shedding of blood here in this oath of promise between him and God makes a difference when God swears to something for you it makes a difference when you understand that God means what he says he's not lying to you it makes a difference when you meditate when you grab his word rather than grabbing your doubts and your fears and your fake Christianity that says I'm not worthy and how can he do this and you stay in that mindset and so these things we need to understand that God gives us these promises so that we can be a reassured especially in a time of trial and time of trouble in a time when you don't have the things that you need in life where it's not comfortable for you anymore you have an oath and a promise from God that he will come through for you and he will bless your life with these things 
You have to rely on that. You have to rely on the blood for everything. It's your, it, it spells your righteousness. It spells the defeat of all your enemies. It, it says that his enemies will be his footstool. I mean that, that means everything's underneath the feet of Jesus. And if you don't walk in this. You have to ask God to help you to understand how to walk in the full assurance of faith at all times. And so God provided this for Abram. You know and he was able then to start his his walk toward the promises of God. Of course you know he went out on his own. Tried to have a child through his maid. He is in, in cahoots with his wife. Everybody wants to speed up what God wants to do for him. And that's the speedy answer. Your flesh wants everything speedy. Well, did that disqualify him? Absolutely not. He had an oath and a promise from God. See when you believe in God's ability your mistakes mean nothing. Your mistakes won't stop it. If your mistakes give you a bad conscience, you stay before God until your conscience is purged again from dead works. Because there's a place in God where that can be achieved for you. And so we, it's again, totally trusting God and his ability, his desire to do what he says he's going to do in spite of anything that stands against him. Anything. And so Abraham was able to go on and continue to believe God. He was able to go on. He was able to obey God in, in taking Ishmael out of the picture. You know, casting out the bondwoman and the child. People think, oh my, how horrible. But if that's not God's will for you, he knows best that's not God's will for you. You got me? Abraham pleaded for Ishmael. Oh, that Ishmael might live. You know, God said, I'll heal you from that. He heals you from all losses, all hurts, all injuries, all self-inflicted trouble. Heals you from it all. It's amazing. If we just trust him. Just trust him. If it seems impossible, that's all the more reason to trust him. All the more reason to trust him. So, that's the issue. So we talked about is he able? Yes, he is. Am I worthy? Righteousness makes you worthy. Amen. You don't the worthiness is not an issue. If you have a covenant with God, he helps you to take care of that. So these in and, and we wear the old or the new like garments. Abraham persuaded himself more and more by looking at the stars and the sands. All he had to do at the the end the bottom line is do you believe God's able? Do you believe God's able? So on the Abraham side it was being convinced of God's ability. Not his Abraham had had, had made mistakes before God came out, made his offering, a sacrifice, got got back in touch with God and he it was all good and he understood that for his wife Sarah though it was something different Sarah had to figure out if she could trust God based on his faithfulness and not so much his ability she wasn't that concerned about his ability but she was concerned about history all of the stuff that's gone on it's been so long and she wanted to find out if God was still God did he still mean what he said was he still there for him this is you know his it's like you know anybody in a relationship over a period of years it'll either get better 
or it'll get worse. And so with God our relationship always gets better. It doesn't get worse. It's always a good relationship but to us we get the benefit of it being better. In Hebrews 11.11 you see what Sarah's concern was with God. And her full persuasion of God's faithfulness is what caused her to receive the promises. It says here through faith also Sarah herself received strength or power to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised she judged him faithful who had promised so Sarah's challenge was is God faithful does it make a difference all these years does it make a difference all this time does it make a difference am I too late for God to do this am I too old for God to do this am I are my best years behind me and we can all quote the scriptures that assure us that that's not true but try living it huh? try living it there are people who are are half my age who are worried that they can't do certain things anymore you know their time is past that that idea will get planted in your mind by any any uh anything that happens in your life any circumstance any season in your life you can get yourself disqualified because you think your time is up so sarah judged god we all do that and you've got to judge him according to what he really is like. You can't judge him according to what you feel has happened in your life. You can't make God a party to your disappointments. You can't make him a party to your failures. You can't make him a party to your misgivings. You have to judge God according to what he is. And so Sarah was like most of us. God gets entangled in our inability. He gets entangled in our lack. He gets entangled in our our uh, past failures he gets entangled in our low opinion of ourselves he gets entangled in all of this and so God wants to break himself free of all of those entanglements in the dark side of our our souls you know why why didn't I do this sooner how come I couldn't have known this earlier what what is it about me that keeps me from from getting things done on time what is it that's hindering me from getting where I keep going through this over and over and over again why do I keep repeating this cycle and you'll get God mixed up in that if you're not careful he's not a party to our weaknesses he's not a party to our failures he's not a party to our misgivings he's not a party to us having gotten too old to experience certain good things in life he's not a party to that but he is a party to his faithfulness if he promised you something he will do that for you if he promised you ability he will give you ability if he promised to renew your youth he will do that for you if he promised to give you seed he will do that to you if he promised to reconcile you with family members or friends or he will do that for you he's God above our difficulties he's God on the outside of our difficulties trying to break that off of us to get us over into his realm where he can make all of those things happen for us and so Sarah judged him because we judge God all the time 
We weigh evidence either for or against God because of our walk with him. How we walk in this life determines the evidence that we collect about God's faithfulness or his ability. The fact that we have issues in our lives that are strongholds that are hard to get over. We kind of include God in our inability. And we feel we're stuck there and we can't get over it. And we can't break free. And we can't get the peace or we can't get the joy or we can't get the victory. We can't get all of those things because we try, we attempt to drag God in to our inability and our problems. He's not our problem. He's not a part of our problem. He wants to break us out of that so that we can see that he is a faithful God. If he promised it to you way back when, the fact that years have passed means nothing to him. When it's time, as far as God is concerned, it's time. He'll knock on your door and tell you, you know what, we need to deal with this. Because this is holding you back. This is keeping you from having the contentment, the encouragement, the faith, all of that stuff that you need. This is the issue and we need to get it under under the blood and get it out of your life get you free from this hindrance so that you can go forward in it Sarah's lack of of understanding his faithfulness made her laugh when God mentioned that she was going to have a son she was standing in the door of the tent and when God made that promise to Abraham she laughed and because she judged him funny and humorous and a joke instead of faithful and see many of the things that God had promised us we used to look forward to now we joke about it now we make fun of how we used to believe now we make fun of what we used to stand for now we kind of want to fluff it off it's not important when it really is still as important to you it's the reason you're not happy it's the reason you're not content it's the reason we're not a lot of things is because we have judged that a joke now because of the amount of time that's gone by you see what i'm saying it's very easy to do that you know people have been waiting for to get married waiting for children all that kind of stuff they judge they start judging that funny as the years go by well to think i used to i remember somebody told me that they uh had kind of backslidden they were in ministry and backslidden away from god and you know good people that wanted to speak into their lives and they were saying yeah ah yeah people used to prophesy over me all the time you know just real bitter and real and and making a joke out of it because it hadn't happened the way she thought it was going to happen and she just gave up on god you know backslid and making fun of christians now and the whole nine yards why because we can get god into contempt in our mental court he becomes contemptuous to us the promises fill us with contempt now because we we don't judge him faithful you have to keep your judgment because you're going to judge God one way or the other you'll make that evaluation and you have to watch yourself with years that go by you have to watch yourself with understanding that you have you have to watch yourself with your feelings that you have about your life and about certain things in your life that you don't get he's not in contempt in your court of law judging God because he's not doing things on your time schedule 
If we would judge him faithful, we'd stay on time with things. If we judge him the same way that he is all the time, instead of letting our judgment slip over into darkness, we'd receive the things that we want from God. So we make decisions based on our experiences with God. We do. Things to consider is what was your life like before and after God? You know, if you want to keep a good, healthy understanding of who God is, you need to rehearse in your mind not your present frustration over your present situation but rehearsed in your mind your life with God what were you like before God found you and gave you his son to live inside and dwell inside of you what was your life like before that what's it been since then you need to rehearse these things because we forget we think that we're supposed to have a life that we see on television you know Mixed in with a little holiness. You know what I'm saying? If your life becomes a hodgepodge of pictures that you see. What was your life like before you met God? What's it like now after you've met God? What's your history with God been? Has he answered your prayers at all? If he's answered one prayer that means he's been God to you at least one time. Has he kept you alive? Has you have do you have a prayer life? Do you have a life that is pleasing to God? Do you have a full relationship with him? Can you expect more from him or do you expect less from God? If your expectation is diminished you need to get this straightened out with God. You need to get a, a good understanding of his faithfulness. Because you're judging God not faithful if you're not expecting more from him now in your life than you expected at the beginning. The Bible says your latter days will be greater than your beginning. Your ending will be more prosperous. All of these things will increase because God is faithful. So God saved for Abram and Sarah the best for the end of their days. So the end of their days really became the beginning of their days because of God's faithfulness. He knows how to time things. He knows how to put things in your life and when to put them into your life. Life on this earth will tell you everything that that you get has to be gotten before you're 40 or before you're 20. Then they say uh, 40 is the new or 60 is the new 30 or 40 or something like that. You know people get so confused about how they feel about life. Only God can straighten that out. He knows the plan for your life. He knows the end of your days. He knows how to develop your faith for what needs to be done in your life. God was looking more at the quality of their faith than he was at the length of years. If it takes length of years to get quality of faith he'll do that. Because faith will take, will overleap and overturn years. Faith in, in the faithfulness of God will cause all of that to roll back so that it's not, you know, it's not damaging to you. It's not as hard on you as you think it's going to be. God can restore. He said the years the locusts ate. Everybody's going to have some famine years. Everybody's going to have some years where the enemy steals. Everybody's going to in the world you're going to have trouble. You can wish it away. You can confess it away. You can do but you're going to have your share of trouble anyway. You're not going to get skipped over. And so God will see to it that everybody has to trust him and his faithfulness.
If God let you go and, and your faith worked perfectly for everything all the time, you're as happy as a clam, uh, you know, something would be wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? There's something wrong somewhere. You're cheating somewhere. That's <laughs> what they say. And so you, you know, I mean, you can stay in a place of contentment, and that's fine, living in the spirit. But natural circumstances are going to be adverse to you from time to time. Natural things are going to work against you, folks. You know, I, I had a. a my thing with my winting you know getting healed and all of that and and the longer it got the more I realized that something else was amiss no it's not just me confessing the word and you know saying I'm winting and healed as I went I'm still winting two years later still winting you know something else is going on and I didn't want to talk to God about it. I'd pick up a little scripture and went. You know, you put these things off as long as you can. And God had to do some things because I go around preaching about, uh, you know, adorning the bride and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm in tatters and rags, you know, essentially. And so I knew God would have to do something. And the way he did it really kind of amazed me. And then you want to slap yourself 20 times for not trusting him. You understand what I'm saying? It just all goes with the program, folks. We think we're being above board with God. We're hiding and we know we're hiding. We're just wondering when he's going to you know, rattle our cage. Do it. Because he loves us so much. Having your cage rattled isn't a bad thing. Especially when God does it. It's a good thing. You know, so while he's, you know, hey, come out of there. Hey, come out. (laughs) I want to come out. Come out anyway, you know. Persistent. While he's doing that, you better let him clean your clock. You know, like uh, the flossing we forget to do or, you know, we floss the front and not. It's time to floss the back. You know what I'm saying, and get all that that <laughs> shouldn't be there. You know, let him have it all, and so he'll he'll do great miraculous things. And and I got up one day, and my knee wasn't swollen. It didn't hurt. I didn't have to limp. You know, I can always judge if I'm under the anointing. It's easier. But it's easier not under the anointing. And so when you have that, you know that God's healed you. It's not all 100% yet. But we're getting there. It takes time. You have to give God time. I'm giving him the time that I'm always too busy working for him to give him. Do you understand me? You can work for God without giving him time. You can almost work for him without him. <laughs> you know, it ain't fun, but you know what I'm saying. We we want to run and take what he gives us, you know, our enablements and so forth, and, and run away from him and go use them. That's not good. So God kept his word to Abram and Sarah. He said that he would give them a son, and he did. We need to know that we can increase our expectation of God over the years. I don't care how many years go by. You can increase your expectation of him. You can expect big things toward the end of your life. Instead of what the world does. The world likes everything big to come to them when they're young enough to squander it. 
God likes for big things to come to us when we're mature enough to protect them and keep them and keep them under God's care. So this business of judging him faithful is very important. Has God always, what is your history with God? Has he always done what he says he was going to do for you? Has he always come through for you? Has he always done the wise thing, especially when you know his will? There are some areas we don't know the will of God. We don't know the plan of God. We don't know the length of everybody's days. We we can only barely keep up with our own. We know what we expect to be satisfied with long life. We all say that. And 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 when you're not satisfied, he doesn't kill you, does he? Okay. <laughs> so we just don't know. We have a vague idea, vague understanding. We know that we want to cross over. We don't want to go to our grave sick because of some debilitating disease. We want to continue working for God and, and live out the length of our days. And so we don't know all these things. We don't know the length of the days of the person even that we're married to or the one that we're planning to get married to or the one that we're friends with or anybody like that. We can only barely know our own. But I tell you one thing. Once you can judge God as faithful to do what he promises to do then you can trust him 100% and have that faith uh, that Abraham kind of faith working in your life that leaps over every obstacle that would try and stand in your way the one that's fully persuaded that what God promised he is able also to perform has he promised you a good marriage has he promised you healthy children has he, you got to be assured you got to have full assurance of faith and not let that slip away from you because of years because of doubt because of what you feel people think about you or anything like that God can connect you with a person tomorrow that, that he intends for you but you got to try Trust him. You can't go looking on your own. You can't go snooping under every rock. You can't go on the hunt yourself. That's not trusting God. But trusting God means that you just put everything in his hands and know that he has what's best in mind for you. He has what's best in mind. And he will tell you what he has for you. So when when Abraham wasn't sure, he confessed that to God. That's your your confession is your friend, especially when it comes to your own weaknesses, your own faults and failures. What we do sometimes with God is we'll have doubts, and then we'll pick up a scripture that tells Him that we don't doubt Him. You understand when you confess the word at God and you don't really accept it. You're not believing it yourself. And so then the word becomes your enemy or your defense against God sometimes. You want to quote scriptures toward him and you don't really believe. You know I'm quoting scriptures about wenting and being healed and it's not moving anything. Why? Is something else there that needs to be dealt with. And so we have to. You can't do these things outside of relationship with God and so as much as you can cultivate relationship that's what's going to get you over in the at the end of the day it's what you perceive how you perceive God how do you judge him 
Do you judge him able? If you don't think he's able, if he's able, he's willing. Get the willing out of it. If he has ability, he will do according to his ability. He's not like people who have to say, I can do this for you, but I'm not going to do it because. He doesn't tempt us or test us or or uh, provoke us like that but God oftentimes will allow us to get ourselves into the kind of jam where we need to talk to him and we're forced why because that's what he's after he's after us he's after relationship with us he's after fellowship with us and sometimes you have to get yourself into uh, uh, a straight between two not knowing which way you want to go do I live? Do I die? Do I go on with God? Do I do you know? Am I hindrance? Am I help? What am I going to do? And so you get yourself in that position, and then you can know the character of God for sure, because then He reveals Himself to you. In case you didn't know Him that way, you know Him that way now, and so He reveals Himself to you, because we need to have that revelation of God. We need to know that He's able. We need to know. That he's faithful. We need to know that he's still going to be with us. He's going to help us. Faithfulness will override your lack of ability every time. God's faithfulness will override your lack of ability every single time. All you have to do is believe that he what he said he what he said he was going to do, he meant it. When he told me he was going to do that, he meant it. He still means it. Faithfulness means he still means to do it in spite of what we do. If we will just turn to him, back to him in faith again, he will do exactly what he said he would do initially. And that's him. He's faithful. We need to put everything over on him. Instead of putting so much on us. That we have to show him this. We have to do that. We have to be this. We have to be that. You're none of that without him anyway. And so you have to judge him faithful. That he doesn't alter his plan for us. Based on anything that we do. He doesn't alter it. When when you obey God. It's part of his plan for you to obey him. You're just fitting in with his plan. You don't get any attaboys. Any stripes on the on your shoulder. Any of that kind of stuff. You're merely flowing with God's plan for your life. You don't get any deducts. Unless you take yourself out of the race. You take yourself out of the race. Because of your lack of confidence in his covenant. Once you understand his covenant is, is for a lifetime and he he provides strength for our weakness he provides faithfulness for our lack of faithfulness he provides everything if you go to him and humble yourself before him you'll find that God is there for you and so once you understand that you serve an able faithful God you can be fully persuaded of anything that he'll he'll do where people miss it is they start inserting themselves back into the equation again we start putting ourselves back in there uh, you know I find myself I'll do that sometimes if if I really want to see God do some things you know ministry wise you know preachers hide behind that a lot but you know this is your job this is what you have to do you have to put it up there you know people say God first family second ministry you just let God figure all that out you know you don't have an order you give to God about anything you have 
God first period and let him order your life the rest of it but ministers will will get to the point sometimes where they want to hide behind you know that that kind of thing and and God God's not somebody that that you can you can think just because you you're doing this and doing that and and you know and then when it's not going well or going the way you think it ought to go then you're back in it again you're messing everything up and if you would do this more God would do more of this and if you would do this more God no you got to put God totally in control of that if you don't see a leg grow out it's not your fault as long as you're studying the word you're doing everything to prepare yourself that you know possibly you can do you you work that out with God how you prepare yourself but the fact that somebody's you know uh, eyes blind eyes don't open right away it's not your fault you got me. Don't insert yourself into that. Uh, get yourself back out of that kind of thing. You believe God, but you've got to, these are things that will hinder your being fully persuaded about a miracle when it's necessary. Got me? Maybe nobody showed up to have a leg grown out that day. You understand what I'm saying? You have to be careful about how we insert ourselves back into the things that only God has control over. It's up to God to do miracles. It's up to God to bring people in that need miracles. It's up to God to do all of that stuff. It means nothing. None of it means nothing. So quit inserting ourselves into things that we don't need to insert ourselves into. The next thing we question is God does God love me? You know, you, we have a tendency to when you get wound up in yourself, you begin to judge yourself as unlovable, mm-hmm. unlovely, bereft, downtrodden, broken-hearted, all of the above. God is love. Mm-hmm. You need to run to him when you feel unloved, you need to run to him. But we oftentimes languish in that mental condition of it's me against the world. Nobody understands me. I'm, I'm in this by myself and all of the above. Does God love you? You need to answer that question. It comes up. It comes up in ways that doesn't look like what it is. But that's really the bottom line for it. When you have that feeling that something is standing between you and getting your answer, it's a love issue. You got me? It's a love issue. Would a loving father punish you with time? See? The time factor again. How long it's taken for you to get your answer and all of that. You know, love will be at the bottom of it somewhere. Because we have a a warped concept of what love is. God has to teach us again. And in the midst of your struggle and trial, you will find the greatest lessons about these things. You'll find out something about the depth of the love of God. When you're in situations that are distasteful to you. Or things that you didn't pray for to happen to you. That you don't want to happen to you. You'll find out more about what the love of God is all about. Would a loving father do this? And what would a loving father do in my circumstances? We may have no idea. So God begins to introduce himself to us in our trial. Or in our, our uh, waiting we need to understand that the first love 
that he gave he imparted to us by forgiving our sins. That's a big love. You let somebody do something to you that violates your your code of ethics or violates your sense of what's fair and see how quick you are to want to forgive and not mention that anymore to just let it go and not bring it up anymore to, to bestow gifts and, and abilities and the best that you have on that person and they violated every law that you everything every holiness everything that you hold dear they've broken it some of us have shaken our fists in God's face all of those things and sometimes we do the worst of it after we come to know God after you've partaken of the heavenly gift people turn their backs on God do it all the time act as though God never touched them like they've never seen a miracle they've never seen a healing they've never seen anything and so how would you respond to somebody like that and so God has to impart first love into our hearts so that we can be loving people and he did it when we were our worst he forgave all of that and so really forgiveness is love as far as God's concerned that's why it's a command for him he says I don't want you holding things against one another down there I'm giving you the ability to impart this love to one another through forgiveness of sins don't get an attitude about somebody if they offend you you reach out to them in forgiveness and don't hold on to that don't make make up things in your head about how people feel about you based on one incident you know people are we're really bad with that folks because we go through life as Christians avoiding one another and you know uh, just being uh, sharp with one another and hurting one another all based on something that happened so long ago it's pathetic to even think about it anymore but we feel justified because somebody hurt us or somebody did something that we didn't like or made us feel uncomfortable or a lot of it's your imagination anyway you know the devil plays with people like that ones who are have a long memory about offenses he he makes that his playground that's why god tells you renew your mind start thinking like i think would jesus hold grudges of course not why are you doing it you know you understand what i'm saying this stuff is important to god it's important how we internalize our outer environment because at some point you're going to wind up being some kind of victim and eventually you're going to doubt that God loves you that's why he wants you to get rid of your junk because he doesn't want you ever doubting his love because when you start doubting that you really are an orphan you really are out here without any help so when you write God off as not loving you backsliders do that that's what causes them to backslide they write God off as he doesn't love me so it's not worth me going to church it's not worth me praying it's not worth me doing any of this stuff because you've already written God off as not loving you that's why he breaks all of these curses off of our minds you know there's a lot of people running around here without two married natural parents and that puts you in a good place to be an orphan a good place to have that bastard mentality like Ishmael everything's against me I gotta fight against the world I gotta make my own way nobody loves me everybody hates me God wants to break that off of people that's not what he gave us 
He gave us his love. And that love has to have an effect on your soul. It must. uh, uh, That's why the Bible talks about Jesus being the lover of our souls. Because your mind's warped before you come to know the Lord. You think every nobody is quick for people to think the whole world's against them based on one little bad thing that happens to them. And he doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to be forgiving people because forgiving people are loving people. Unforgiving people are not loving people. I don't care how nice they pretend to be. I don't care how the bottom line is that they're planning some kind of vengeance for something that, that, that they're holding on to. That's why people hold on to things. Because they want their own revenge for the offense. That's why God tells us to let go of it. Because it's not for us. Amen. And and you can be a loving person. You don't have to put on. You don't have to put You can genuinely love people. Through forgiving. Forgiving. And all these imaginary offenses we have. Like we're God. You're not God. You hurt people. They will hurt you. God hurts nobody. Amen. <laughs> he loves everybody. So he's the one who's perfect. We have to keep keep this this in perspective. First, forgiveness of sins is so important to God. If we don't do it, we won't get forgiven. So you'll find yourself feeling estranged from God because you don't forgive others. You hold grudges. You hold it in. You pretend it's not there and then it pops up and everybody knows it's there. Isn't that right? Isn't that how it works? You try to pretend like you love somebody and you know you haven't forgiven them. And then all of a sudden something happens and you say something and they know. You better get it right with God. See, you know, in order for me to get healed of a nervous breakdown, I had to learn how to instantly forgive. That was, only, that was the only way I got healed. And so when I started to get around God's people and I saw what a mess people still are, you know, after you're saved, and it's true. We all are works in progress. I was able to master that because it was I trained myself. It didn't matter who I, I didn't judge. Well, you know, I'll forgive them because I like them because they're nice to me most of the time. But you learn how to forgive everybody. See, forgiveness is not partial, and love is impartial. Not when it comes from God, and you get you forgive through Christ. You forgive through the blood. You forgive through understanding that you were forgiven. And how dare you withhold that from some? How dare you withhold that from somebody if you were so graciously forgiven? And that became the key to your life with God. The fact that your sins are forgiven. That's the door that opens it up to a life in God. Think about the people that we could see saved if we'd apply that principle. And I'm not talking about just with them. I mean across the board. So, giving me forgiving means that God gives us a clean slate. He wants us to give everybody a clean slate. You see, provision and and if you're concerned about yourself, you won't forgive. You'll hold on to something. See, the self life makes us hold on to things because we think we have to protect ourselves from people. <laughs> you die to self, man. You can do pretty much anything. You just keep yourself on the cross, honey. And, and you know I'm not invested in this personally at all. Let God provide for you. So how do we evaluate God's love? First of all most people evaluate through provision. Does God provide for you? 
And the answer is yes. The Bible says he's provided all things that pertain to life. That means living a natural life here on this earth. Shelter, clothing, income, career, all of that stuff. And godliness. And that godliness is the ability to get those things through your faith. And so he provides all of that. He provides help when we ask him we need it. The Bible says he is attentive to our cry. So he's there all the time. He's El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. He's the overflow God. When you call upon him, he not only provides enough for your needs, but he provides for the needs of somebody else through you. should always look for that overflow to come. He has, he's a, a, a God of promise. He keeps his covenant of peace with us. He wants us to be at peace at all times. Turmoil is not what he he desires. Fear, uh, dread, uh, anxiety, upset. He doesn't want any of that. He has provided a covenant of total peace for us. When people are loved, they exhibit certain behaviors. And you know you're loved because of your own behavior. They're loving people. They are, love brings with it a type of dignity, a sense of worth and value. All of those things come to people when they know they're loved. Not just adorning yourself in the outer way, but also inner, the peace, the joy, assurance. So people who are loved and know they are loved exhibit a certain kind of fearlessness there's a righteousness that comes with the love of God where it has certain components to it that are in your character there's a boldness there there's a confidence there and it's not made up it's not imitation religious stuff but there's a confidence there that comes because of your meditation in God and he provides that for you you know that you can always draw from him those kinds of things that you need when you when you're a person who is loved you don't quit because love never quits it doesn't fail See, it's, it's like uh, when when I was married, when my marriage was in trouble, and then I got saved and met the Lord, and I put everything into His hands, and I found out that I got an immediate confidence that my marriage was secure, which I never had before. Before I was scrambling, trying to figure out how to how to keep this man happy, how to be happy myself, how to do this, and and just. Just in one moment reading the scripture, God showed me that scripture that said whatever we place in his hands no man can pluck out. It wasn't even a marriage scripture if you know what I'm saying. But I said, oh, okay, I see what I need to do. I need to give it to him. It was in pieces anyway. (laughs) I don't know if I ever found all the pieces together. Here, God, take it. And the confidence came that nobody could take it. He said, you can't even mess it up. Because I'll help you with your failures in it. And this is what I needed. I needed to hear that. And God kept us married all those years. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you know, God and my Glock. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'm just joking with you guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you know a biscuits and chicken you know what a Glock is don't you all know what that is alright so it's a gun but anyway <laughs> big one too but anyway you know what I'm saying <laughs> big nozzle you look down the barrel of that for enough years and you get persuaded that's the persuader you stay here you don't go nowhere you hear me partner so <laughs> right <laughs> your partner we's we's hitched for life <laughs> you you <laughs> but you can be assured of your love and, and God caused me to love my husband more and caused him to love me more and people are, are funny about this kind of stuff you know I see people get divorced because they think well they don't want to try anymore don't worry about them you can't do anything about them anyway why are you deciding what you want to do with an important decision like that based on what somebody else feels or say they feel just take care of you I quit worrying about what he felt, what he said, what he thought, you know, except for relationship things. But as far as that projecting what was going to happen to our marriage, it just didn't bother me anymore. And I started to let God help me to be a better wife, a better friend, a better companion, a better person that, that could listen. Instead of talk so much. Preachers talk too much sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? And so it, it, it helped me in that relationship. And then I saw the seeds work in him. He changed. You got me? And so this is how this thing happens. When love comes in, love changes everybody. That's why it's so important for us to forgive that's why it's so important for us to do the right thing that's why it's so important for us to be genuine in our relationships with people not fake trying to fake people out it's bad juju you keep doing that stuff it's not good so we know God loves us he's attentive to our cry what happens to me when I fail this is the issue with a lot of people they don't understand how they fail we labor over it. How did this happen to me? What did I do? Go, go. Well, the Bible says that he is forgiven much, loves much. Oh, when I fail, it increases my love. It sure does. It should. <laughs> should I plan to fail? You don't have to. You're going to do that anyway. <laughs> Nobody plans to. But your failures should not stop you in any way. From understanding the love of God. In Luke chapter 7 you'll see that. In verse 36. One of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him. Came and sat at at the Pharisee's house down to meet. So here's a, a doctor of the law. You know a big guy. He's a minister in the temple. Behold a woman in the city which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house. Brought an alabaster box of ointment. Stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears. Wiped them with the hairs of her head. Kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had invited him saw this. He spoke within himself saying. This is bad to be around Jesus and have thoughts like this. This man if he were a prophet would have known. (laughs) Judgmental, judgmental, judgmental. 
would have known what kind of woman this is. She's touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 pence, the other 50. So you put yourself in there where you think you belong. Of course the Pharisee is going to think he owes the lesser amount because he's self-righteous. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave both of them. We forgive the big offenses as well as the small. Forgiveness is not partial. It's just it just forgives. Simon answered, he says, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me then, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to him he forgave the most. And he said, You've rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, You see this woman? When I came in here, you gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman since the time I came in not since she ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say to you her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same loves little. To whom little is forgiven the same loves little. Now the Bible says that if you forgive God will forgive you if you don't forgive he won't forgive if you're an unforgiving person you have very little love of God operating in you because as you forgive the love of God it makes room for the love of God to come into your heart this Pharisee felt like he was doing everything right he felt that he had no offenses against God but Jesus lists at least three offenses here that he's committed that he doesn't even think are offenses so if you're a person you know we always talk about sin consciousness righteousness forget that you understand you know how you feel on the inside you know what you do you know if you're a person who instantly forgives or if you hold grudges and you get busted you know in situations you know what you do you know how you feel on the inside of yourself about God you don't have to point out a doctrine that you fit into to figure out your relationship with God you just live in your relationship cut the nonsense out quit giving yourself the Pharisee did this oh you know I'm righteousness conscious I'm not sin conscious I haven't done anything he defended Jesus three times invited him to his house and offended him three times in one afternoon this woman because she knew that she had no business touching him chanced it and touched him anyway because she was so drawn by his love she just had to give it a shot and when she got there she was contrite and she was humble she just wanted to thank him because she recognized that her sin was many be careful about this sin issue and try to acquit yourself and minimize what you do be careful about that you think about your relationship with God it's not about you doing little sin or big sin it's about your relationship with him are you being obedient you're a forgiving person or you hold grudges because you think you don't do anything wrong well that's for another day I know people they you know we don't like this kind of talk because we want to think we're okay and we don't have evidence of okay in our lives. So if we don't have evidence that means it must not be true. 
There's something lacking somewhere. And when we know something's lacking somewhere, we can call upon God who can fix it. He can make the right adjustment in us. He can cause us to be forgiving, loving people, humble people who live to serve. And not just go through the motions of serving and not have service in your heart. We can do these things and we can do them right and we can please God. Because he's bigger than all of this stuff. So he loves us more. He loves us more. He is willing to forgive us. He who has forgiven much loves much. That means you have to be a forgiving person and you have to recognize your own faults and sins and get forgiven. You've got to be a person who can easily confess your faults to God and other people. You offend people, you come to them and ask forgiveness. Some people seldom do that. They seldom go to somebody and you know you've been mad at them and you know you've hurt their feelings and you never say would you please forgive me. God will not fail us because love never fails. You get in the habit of going to God instantly when you know you've offended him or somebody else and he'll forgive you and he'll fill you with his love and that love won't fail you. Your faith won't fail. When it's backed up by the love of God. Forgiveness makes room for love to be deposited all the more in our hearts. And we can love God. Love people. Love serving. Love forgiving. We'll love all of it. It's a great love that he's, he's bestowed upon us. When we receive his love. The plan of God will be of God. It will be of God. Because you totally trust him. You're loving him back with the love that, with a perfect love that he puts in us. Perfect love is mature. It trusts God. It's not suspicious. It's not nervous about anything. It doesn't have anxieties. It's not withholding and holding back. Should I do this? Should I give this to God? Should I go out and, and attempt this? This was Abraham's secret. He didn't withhold anything. If he was scared about something, he confessed it to God. He built his little altar and made contact with God. You know what I'm saying? So they could talk. It's that talk that you need to have with him that is so lacking sometimes in our lives. It's that intimacy with him. And and not just a feeling, but your deep thoughts, your fears, your anxieties, your your misgivings, your am I too late, why is it taking so long. All of those things have to be brought out in the open so that God can heal them and he can help them. He can answer these things. And then you'll be fully persuaded. Your faith will work. The things that you've been anticipating will happen. And even more so. My prayer for you is that you get some things you're not asking for. Because you think you know what you want. but we And you think you know what we, you need. But you don't. That's my prayer. That you get what he has for you. And not so much your little list of things that you like to check off and make sure. And that means God loves me. You see what I'm saying? Get the real love of God. Amen? Alright we'll stop. Father we thank you for your word and for understanding. For coming to a place Lord where we understand more. Total trust. Total love. Confidence in you. All of these things, Lord, come from your hand, your hand of grace, your hand of mercy, your full hand of provision. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. We honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. If anybody wants prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Pray for you.